has a man open. Touchdown, Justin Blackman. Locked on Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell, with you as always. Glad everyone's with me on this Friday. A lot to get to today. Jack Klein joining me as he does on Fridays. Want everybody to head over to Twitter, follow me at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes, and follow our partners at Boone Pick and State. Search Boone Pick and State on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also go to LockedOnPodcast.com. Check out everything the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including uh, Locked On Draft Dudes, Locked On NFL Draft, and Locked On for every NFL team. If you're wanting to know what your team is going to do next Thursday in the NFL draft, you need to head over to LockedOnPodcast.com. And now, as we do every single Friday, we will welcome Jack Klein into the show. Jack, uh, don't look now, but we're six days away from kind of an actual sporting event. I mean, it's not an actual game being played, but the draft is a sporting event. It absolutely is, and and thanks for having me. I do think it's really important to, uh, you know, to have the NFL draft. I think the NFL is doing actually a smart thing or I think that you know regardless of who your team drafts it doesn't matter if you're the Jaguars or the Browns or even a team that's always down there or you know but it's like it always gives you hope you know what I mean it's like it's like everyone always leaves the draft with saying hey okay but what if these guys that we pick you know what if they do turn out and they always have that hope and I think right now with the pandemic and everything that's going on I think that having you know an event that everyone can look forward to and something that you know every fan will feel great unless you're the Bears and you draft Mr. Trubisky after trading up. Like, outside of that, most fans will leave with hope, which is a good thing to have right now. Yeah, luckily, I don't think there's too many Bears fans around here listening to this podcast. They won't be upset that uh, you brought that up and made them think about that. But we'll, we'll get in more into the draft. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and this kind of has an impact on Oklahoma State. Obviously, uh, nothing from Cade Cunningham, and everybody fully expects Cade Cunningham to be a Cowboy next year. There's no reason that he wouldn't be. But I think the landscape of college basketball is really interesting right now. Whenever you look at some of the guys last year, like LaMelo Ball, who went to Australia. Um, who, who was the other kid who went to Australia? Last year, along with Lamelo, gosh, I can't remember his name. Let me look for it. Uh, well, yeah. RJ Hampton yes. went there this year. Yeah, RJ Hampton was the other one I was thinking of. And then today, it was announced that Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd, Jalen Green, uh, is actually ESPN's number one prospect. He's not on two four seven where Cade Cunningham is, but him and Isaiah Todd, Memphis and Michigan commits, um, both decided that they were going to go play in the G League. And Jalen Green's going to get a half million dollar contract for a year in the G League. He can make more with endorsements, appearances, thing of things of that nature. So I, I don't know. I, I just Obviously, this is not the end of college basketball. College basketball is going to survive, and it's going to be fine. But it has to worry you as a college basketball fan, and certainly the higher-ups in the NCAA, that some of the elite talent, some of the best talent, is now just saying, you know what? I'm not going to go spend a year playing for free when I can put a half million in the bank. Yeah, for sure. I think that there was a couple players even started that years ago. I mean, you had like Emmanuel Moody. I think he went to China, and he you know, yeah, was he over did. there for I think it's one of those where a lot of these players now, I, I think that, you know, these ones, especially, you know, like when you use a Moutier, for example, or even LaMelo Ball, those guys are going to be top 10 picks. I think Moutier was like, what, five or six? I mean, he was in the top 10. And, um, you know, LaMelo Ball is going to be a top five pick this year. So it's like, I think these guys that are like, I could just go make money for a year and it's not really going to change my draft position. And, and I do think those guys that are elite, they can get on, you know, especially with these G League teams, 
they can get on with other guys that aren't NBA caliber players, but they're better competition than, you know, college players. Most of the time, they're all professionals. Then they get to be able to kind of live the life of being a professional basketball player and, and, and see how that is. I think, to me, I think it's all going back to uh, the really big push. I think it's in 2022 where they're going to – I think the NBA's going to end up allowing high, guys to go straight from high school into the draft again. And I think that'll make it – Which is those, how it should be. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a really good argument where, you know, those other guys can go and, and join military or, you know, you know, some of these guys that are great musicians or anything like that, they can just start and make their own career and make money at – you know, 18 years old. And so given those NBA players and those, uh, at least those high school guys trying to go to the NBA, giving them the same option, I think is, is also good. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think that the G League, I mean, I know that whenever they, you know, renamed it from, from the D League going to the G League, that, and they're like, hey, we want to give it towards the space for people if they don't want to go to college to, you know, to go to the G League. And I think clearly that's working. I mean, these guys are going to get, you know, thousands of dollars, to hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to go play basketball. And then, you know, I think if you're an NBA team, you know, if they get to, you know, like one of your G League affiliates, you know, like if one of these guys gets to the blue or something, you get a lot more insight on the person that better enables you to, to see who they are and, and, you know, better evaluate them for the NBA draft coming up. So, Thanks yeah, that, that's team. a good point. Also, also, one thing to think about is these guys go to the G League, and um, maybe I'm not talking about Jalen Green specifically. I'm talking about any of these elite high school prospects. They go to the G League. Let's say they go to the Oklahoma City Blue, and then they're, they get drafted by another team. They're on their first contract. They get a second contract, but they're not a super max guy or anything, but they decide to stay, and now they're 27 years old, and they're looking at where to go, and they're like, man... I really enjoyed being in Oklahoma City. I thought it was a great place to focus on basketball when I was 19 years old. I need to get back there. I need to focus on basketball. And I don't know. I just think that there are a lot of benefits from the player side of this. You don't get to go to college. You don't get to be the big man on campus and play in the NCAA tournament. But there are built-in advantages to already being in the NBA's system. And that's just not something that college can replicate. No, I agree with that. I think that you get to be with, NBA level coaches. I mean, you see where a lot of these guys get from, you know, the G League to where they work their way on to NBA roster with coaching staff and they get some uh, head coaching opportunities. I think that that's where you can actually be in the room with NBA quality employees. And uh, but I will say this the one thing I, I will absolutely say for college is it's the tradition of it for people that really grow up in that. Um, there's nothing like that. I think that, you know, you see guys like Zion, I think with K2, where it's like, Going to college means something to people, um, and it, does. I, it doesn't always have to do. It doesn't always have to be like, "Hey, I want to." You know, I'm really focused on getting you know my grades, my education. Whenever there's guys that are going to be one and done that are that talented, but it's more just saying, you know what? I went to college. I lived that lifestyle for a year. And I could be a not like I don't know. I guess maybe it's also the thought of I can be a kid for another year before I really have to, you know, get into the professionals and do all that stuff and. Like, let's just be honest. For all these elite guys, it doesn't matter. I mean, you think about, like, if, okay, if Kid Cunningham goes to the G League or he wins to OSU, he's going to be the number one overall pick or, at worst, top two or three. Like, seriously, it didn't matter where he went. You know what I mean? But you've also seen some other guys where we can talk about it with the Thunder. I mean, Terrence Ferguson, I think he was actually was supposed to go to Arizona, and then he ended up going overseas. And, I mean, so some of these other guys, you know, they don't have to be an elite talent to want to say, you know, I just want to get money, and I'm, I don't. I don't blame them at all for that, man. If you're if you're that talented, you can get, you know, you can set up 
you know, yourself and in your future, regardless of what happens, your NBA contract by just by making money, like salute to you and your family for being able to provide for that. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think depends on the situation a guy comes from. If the guy and his family need that money, I, I have no idea what Jalen Green's situation is. If his family needs the half million, go get the half million. And, and I'm never going to hold that against a player. You know, even if it were, even if it were to be Cade, if Cade were to decide that he wanted to go to the G league, I wouldn't hold that against him. He's making a personal decision. What he thinks is best for him and his future. Jack Klein's with me. We have got to take a break, uh, come back, touch a little more on this and then talk some NFL draft stuff as that is coming up next week. I want to remind everyone, go see our friends at Simply Green Pharmacy in Stillwater. Simply Green Pharmacy is going to have a lot of good stuff going on next week. You know what next week is. It's 420, so head that way. Head over to livesgf.com. Find all the information you need. Find them at 617 East Redbud Drive in Stillwater and tell them Locked on Pokes sent you. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Stay with us here on Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Pokes. Colby Powell, Jack Klein here with you on a Friday. Uh, we are really getting close now to some actual sports. The NFL draft is next week. We did hear yesterday that the PGA Tour is going to resume on June 11th, just down the road at the Colonial in Dallas, the Charles uh, Schwab Challenge. Um, now, Jack, are, are you busy on June 11th? Do you have anything going on that day, or are you going to be watching golf? I mean, so it's my wife's a- or our expected due date for our child. So not really. I'll be very tuned into golf that day. The 11th is the due date. It's the exact due date, correct. So maybe if while they're playing, maybe I'll start to hold it in a little bit longer until they're, you know, until it's over for the day. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a tough call, really, because obviously having your first child is a huge life moment, but first sporting event in three months is... That's, you know, oh, and my wife is in the room as we're recording this, and you should see the look <laughs> that I'm getting right now. Uh, I can't imagine your wife, who's actually the one going to be having the child. But anyway, very excited for sports to resume, and that's going to start with the NFL draft next week. Now, A.J. Green, pretty much the lone Oklahoma State Cowboy that we expect to go. Don't expect him to go uh, in the first round, so it won't be a Thursday name. Maybe won't be a Friday name, probably uh, an, a mid-round guy. But I was talking to Dion Amade on Wednesday, Jack, and, and A.J. Green didn't run that great of a number, but he seems like one of those guys who's just kind of football fast. Because when you watch the film and you watch how he played at Oklahoma State, it, it's not the, the guy's not running a four three eight. But guys aren't getting past him either. He, he became a lockdown corner in his senior year at Oklahoma State, so I think he'll be a mid, maybe fourth, fifth round guy because of those numbers he ran at the combine. But I think he can have a lot of success at the next level. Yeah, and I think that he's one of those interesting guys that can go in the middle of the rounds that can actually outperform his draft stock. I think he's got a lot of the qualities that, that you like. I think that um, the one thing for him is, I mean, did he, like whenever you're watching him, like did, did he stand out all the time? I think that's why he's probably, you know, going more in the mid-round. But does he like, you know, whenever you're watching defensive players, and obviously we'll get more into the draft in a second, but like guys like, you know, even at his own position, Okuda, it's like that guy just jumps off the screen. Yeah, again, I, I don't think he's an elite. Like elite level talent right. and like, you know, other guys. But it's like, I, I, did you, do you feel like you noticed him in like every game? No, not necessarily. Let me compare him. So Oklahoma State, several years back, you remember Justin Gilbert. Justin Gilbert ended up being a top 10 pick. And, it, and it's hard to compare a guy who's going to go in the middle rounds to a guy who was a top 10 pick. But you, you remember you constantly saw Justin Gilbert showing up. But 
I, I don't think that I don't think that teams were throwing AJ Green's way a ton because I don't think guys were open on that side of the field. It, it just felt like he pretty much had his side locked down. And, and this one thing, Dion, Dion and I talked about on Wednesday. He stepped up in the big matchups. He really looked forward to Colin Johnson and C.D. Lamb and those guys, Vasher down at Texas Tech, and he stepped up in those matchups. So, no, I, I don't think he's an Akuda or an elite guy, but I think he's a guy who you could look back in five years and say, you know who's having a really good NFL career? That A.J. Green. He's on his second contract doing some nice things. See, I think that that's such a great point. You know, I know that I feel like every single year he's just gotten better. I think that the hype around him, at least the way that you kind of hear coaching staff and and at least people around campus talk about A.J. Green, was, was pretty high. I think the one thing with him that is interesting, I think that what you said is a huge argument where it is, yeah, you know why you didn't notice him? Because he people weren't throwing his way. I think that there's something to be said for that. I think the, only, the really downside for A.J. Green, this could be a whole different topic. If he played at like Mississippi State, would he be viewed as a second rounder? I feel like people just discount a lot of these Big 12 defensive players because they look at Big 12 putting up so much in terms of points and yardage that they're like, okay, well, how good are these cornerbacks? And I know that the guy from TCU and their cornerbacks kind of being in that mid or basically that end of that first round kind of beginning of the second round talent, but it's not like they're taking a bunch of those, you know, those corners from the Big 12, uh, at least in my opinion, that high because they think that, well, it's a it's a league where there's a bunch of points and, and how good are the corners. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. The uh, Big 12 certainly does not get a ton of respect uh, on that side of the ball. I know this was a short segment, but I want to take a break before we switch and talk about some more general draft stuff. I want to talk about uh, kind of the conferences, the schools that are high up in the mock draft, some of these players, where they could wind up, and, and kind of how the Big 12 is fitting into what the first round of the big the uh, NFL draft is looking like. So that's coming up next as we wrap things up here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. Follow me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. And go see our friends at Simply Green Pharmacy in Stillwater. They're going to take care of you. They're doing everything they can throughout these times to make sure that you, the patient, are taken care of. They're located at 617 East Redbud Drive at the corner of Redbud and Perkins. You can also visit them online at livesgf.com. Go see our friends at Simply Green Pharmacy in Stillwater and tell them Locked on Pokes sent you. All right, Jack, the draft is uh, rapidly approaching. I'm looking at the top 10 here uh, in, in a mock draft. I'm looking at this mock draft on fromthestadium.com that was put out earlier today. Burrow, Chase Young, Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, and Tua are the top five in this mock draft I'm looking at. That's LSU, okay, SEC, Ohio State at two and three, both on the defensive side of the ball, a Clemson defender at four, and then the Alabama quarterback at five. It, it kind of seems like I'm noticing a trend in where the elite talent, the elite NFL talent, elects to play its college football. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy to think about Ohio State having back-to-back years of Bosa and Young. I mean, like, yeah. you really think about that. Like, that. that's crazy. And then you have a guy like... And before Bosa, Bosa they had there. Bosa. Right. <laughs> they had Bosa, Bosa, and then Young, which are talking about standout-level pass, pass rushers. And so... Um, yeah, I think it just shows that those guys value coaching. They value those universities where they, like, and whatever you want to say about how, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson is run if people don't like that, 
those coaches have a huge in whenever they're recruiting because they can say, hey, just, just go look and watch the first round of the draft and see how many guys we get in the first round. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge recruiting tool. Like, I mean, if, if I was a kid that was that talented, I could pick wherever I wanted to go. You're not going to pick one of those universities where they're proving to get guys drafted high. Yeah, of course you are. Of course you are. There's uh, one guy, I believe, nope, two guys now I'm seeing in the first round out of the Big 12. Uh, make that three. Make that three. Still scrolling here. Four. Um, yeah, about four guys in the Big 12 in the first round of this mock draft. How many of the four can you guess? Well, and this is going to make OSU fans upset. I, I actually really like two of the OU players. I think CeeDee Lamb is the best receiver in the draft. I, I, I love CD Lamb. I know I get the Judy thing, but it's also just like I watch CD Lamb. He he's going to be an incredible pro. Um, I I also really like Murray. You know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, I think that it's an interesting spot when you're talking about defense and especially the linebacking position where I mean I feel like that and interior tackle are getting it you know, it's hard to say, you know, those are the two least valuable positions it seems like in the NFL where guys are drafting edge rushers and corners all the time and safeties but it's hard to evaluate how much you actually pay linebackers and so I think they'll be interesting to see where Murray goes yeah, because, by, by the way real quick Kenneth Murray in this mock I'm looking at is projected at 28 to Baltimore is, is there a place a linebacker would rather go than Baltimore yeah he should go to Kansas City yeah okay Jack's a big Chiefs fan by the way <laughs> the Chiefs but, have I mean, had their fun I think the one thing with, with Murray, doesn't it feel like, and I watched, obviously watching all their games, he is, his production level is insane. So he's, he's a physical beast, and he's just super productive. It felt like, especially in the Texas game, I felt like he tackled everybody on the field. You know what I mean? It's like those guys that really, really well, somebody had out. to. <laughs> I mean, that's entirely true. Um, I, I think, and that. Um, and that mock, I always forget his name, but that TCU cornerback, is he in there? Yeah, he is. Gladney. Jeff Gladney. Gladney, yeah. To the Vikings and at then, 25 is the one I'm looking at. I'm about to say, oh, really? Okay, so he's moving up then. Maybe he's kind of a late, because I saw him in the late first, early second. So, um, The fourth one, I don't think you're going to be able to guess. It's not one I would have guessed, just because it's not a guy you... Uh, Baylor. Hmm. Oh, I know who it is. It is, um, oh, it's a receiver. It's yeah. their, uh, and now his name's escaping you. You got it. Uh, I don't need to tell you. You got it. It's like when Andy in the office is trying to come up with Kit Kat bar. <laughs> uh, do they know all about how much you, uh, you love your office? Oh, yeah. I tweeted out my uh, office trivia winnings this morning. I had a little office trivia last night. It was runaway. Set a scoring record. No big deal. <laughs> Like outside of that, though, like it actually it was, is no big deal. We weren't playing for prizes. Denzel Mims is the name of the receiver. Denzel Mims, yeah, because I think it was just because he had such a good combine. I think he was one of those guys yeah. where he and and they also really good job by his agent, so too, of leaking that he had he played with a broken hand. Right, so that's just yes, good, solid stuff. Absolutely. By, by the way, his NFL uh, comp is Kenny Galladay. I've got him. I've got him at twenty-one to the Eagles, which is a position of need, big time for the Eagles. So that's the four uh, Big Twelve guys. I want to know 
where you stand on Tua. Should Tua go at, I think one and two are pretty much locked in. Burrow at one to the Bengals, Chase Young at two to Washington. And then you've got Detroit at three, Miami at five, and the Chargers at six. Now, he's not getting past six, but Detroit, Miami, Chargers, where do you think he goes? So, I think that he actually goes to the Dolphins just for one reason. So, so that's I at think five. That's number five in the draft. Right. I think that the hard part, and I think he'll actually be there. I don't, I don't think they're going to trade up. I think the hard part in the draft is that you're there to minimize the risk. That's the whole point. And, you know, and seeing a guy like Tua where, I mean, like, let's be honest, it's not just the hip. I mean, it feels like he's injured every year. It's not just, you know, one type of injury. He's had the ankle stuff. He's had a wrist issue. I think that Miami makes the most sense because you've got three really high picks. I mean, they got three top, was it 18 picks? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're loaded. I feel like if, if there's a team that, should take a chance on him. You'd think it's him, but then it seems like the closer that we get, a lot of the reports are that Miami actually likes Herbert more than he'd fall to six. There's no way. Can you imagine liking Justin Herbert more than Tua as an NFL quarterback prospect? I can't imagine being the GM who makes that decision. Well, I, I think it's just kind of that old school level thinking where you think, all right, these big, strong guys. And, and to be quite honest with you, I mean, I'm kind of where I was last year in the draft where I, you know, I was like, hey, I really like Murray. I'm great with him going one. Same with Burrow. I think Burrow's, you know, outside of going to Cincinnati, I think he, I think he's an awesome prospect. And these other guys, I mean, I don't know. I mean, would it shock you if Jordan Love is the second-best quarterback coming out? I mean, I, I have no idea. Yeah, now, are I'm, we sure I'm, that- I'm high on Tua, man. I, I think I'm higher than some people are. If I were Detroit at three, I would try to find a way to move Stafford or maybe do what Carolina did and move off of Stafford or maybe let him play for a year, let Tua sit, uh, let him heal up and get healthy. But uh, And this is just my personal opinion. I think Tua has suffered some freak injuries. I think that if he's healthy, he has the potential to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL for a decade. That That's a guy that I'm willing to uh, move up to get or take with my high draft pick, even if I've got an aging guy like Stafford already in place. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing. Is I think that I think that for Burrow, I, I do think that he's one of those guys where it didn't really matter where he goes. I think he's going to be really good. Same with Kyler. I think if Kyler went to anywhere, I think that sometimes those guys are just good regardless. Yeah, since he's tough, though. Two, do what? Since he's since tough he is for tough. Burrow, that's and, tough. And, and that's, the, <laughs> that's the hard part for him. I think that with Tua, I, I, I really like him. And he just see, like, if you watch him just throw the ball, I mean, it's just like it, he's got a really natural release. He's really good. Although I think that we have to be honest, I think that this draft process with how the world is, I think it hurts him because you see all these things where are saying like, hey, teams are medically flagging him. I think that it was like Michael Lombardi that said that teams are just flagging him saying that you can't draft him because of his medical thing. And, you know, we've seen that in sports where once that kind of gets leaked out, teams get really scared of drafting that player. And I mean, especially in this type of situation where no one's been able to do a physical on him how that impacts it. But I mean, I look at a team like Miami. Does he, I feel like that's the team that if he can really get there, that makes the most sense. Or honestly, like it scares me to say this, but I mean, if, if Tua goes to the Chargers and he's healthy, the Chargers roster is awesome. Like, Yeah, the Chargers roster is good. I, I like the Chargers roster. I would really like Tua as a Charger. Maybe if Tua were a Charger, there could be some Chargers fans at Chargers games. I mean, let's not go too far um, with that. <laughs> That's a big I'm, ask. I mean, You're right. so, 
I'm not sure if I'm Detroit. I, I mean, I don't think that they're thinking that way that you are. I don't think I don't they're either. thinking long term because I, I don't think Patricia is a good head coach at all. No, he's and, not. I mean, I feel like that's a hot take. Uh, that's not a hot take. Uh, but I mean, I feel like Okuda is just destined to go there. But I mean, if I'm them, I'm absolutely selling Miami saying, hey, the Chargers are going to offer me like three picks to move up here. Do you want this before we just give it to them? And maybe Miami just decides, you know what? let's just go get him because, you know, I do think it all just depends on what your ownership group is like and, and how, how sealed in you are as a GM. I think teams like Detroit feel like if they go four and 12 again, they're just, you know, they're firing everybody. But if he goes to a, if, if it's a good thought organization that can say, you know what, we took a shot on Tua, even if he's injured, you can just say, but that was still a good shot because if he would have hit that, he's going to be a star if he's healthy. Like, He's awesome. The only thing that concerns me is I'm not sure how athletic he actually is. Like in terms of getting out the pocket, being able to avoid those guys. And yeah, away. I like, think he's athletic they, enough. They mentioned Russell Wilson, and, and no, no, I don't think no. he's Russell Wilson no, at all. He, he, no, he can't move like Russell. I hate that you're going to get me on my soapbox here. Russell Wilson <laughs> is the he, – he's like the cliche guy that everybody wants to compare semi-mobile college quarterbacks to. Russell Wilson is not semi-mobile. Russell Wilson's not Lamar Jackson, who's the fastest player right along with Michael Vick to ever play the position, but Russell Wilson is one of the most elite scramblers that the NFL's probably ever seen. So I hate that every half-mobile quarterback that comes out of college gets compared to Russell Wilson. It drives me nuts. Well, you know what I don't like is that, uh, and then we can do some rapid-fire draft ones and close this thing out after this, but this Jordan loves is he the next Mahomes? Ugh. Not only as no. a Chiefs fan, I mean, it's not even that. It's like don't compare. I feel and I feel bad for him. Don't compare guys yeah. to generational talent. Like Mahomes is not anything like we've seen. Don't compare him to guys like Russell Wilson. I I don't like that because then it puts so much pressure on these young guys. Because I mean, Mahomes won a title as a second year as a starter. Yeah, the only I, I wrote a story about uh, like, Chiefs versus the field. So, so from the stadium is a new website I'm writing for that's launched and I wrote a story earlier this week, Chiefs versus the field and basically what I said in there is the only reason Patrick Mahomes has lost a playoff game as a starting quarterback is because his team lost the coin toss in overtime. The, the only thing that's beaten him so far is the coin. And we're, well, we're no, gonna, it was D-Ford. D-Ford was so yeah. offside. Yeah. Yeah, if Rudy was offsides, I don't even want to know what D Ford was. But oh, uh, yeah, we're we're running out of time. But NFL draft next week, I am geeked, absolutely geeked. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any uh, any other prospects that you uh, really? We don't have to go too long on. Do you have any other prospects that you love? Like to me, I love Isaiah Simmons. I think he's going to be incredible. I, I love Isaiah I think, Simmons. I like the kid from Auburn, Derek Brown. It's you know again, it's one of those interior defensive linemen. But I I think he eats up a lot of space. I think he'll be a good player. Yeah, I do too. Who's Who's the first uh, receiver pick? Uh, first receiver. That was so. That's such a tough question. I'll say CD. That's who I like the best. But I think uh, I think CD, Judy, and Henry Ruggs will all be off the board by fifteen. Yeah, my uh, I think Judy's going to be the first one off the board. I think he's going to Jacksonville. So I don't oh. know if that's the first receiver pick. If if I'm CD, I'm like, oh no, that's fine. If you're CD, you want to get to you want to get to 13, right? I mean, you want to get to San Francisco, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You you want to go play on a good team, and you want to go play for a head coach who knows how to put the ball in your hands where you can operate in space. And uh, Kyle Shanahan's that guy. Kyle Shanahan is 
the NFL's version of Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley always gets the ball in your hands in space. So does Kyle Shanahan. So, uh, all right, we are fully out of time. We will not be talking to Jack again until after the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, so next week, we'll recap everything that happened on Thursday, talk about where we think A.J. Green could go as we get into uh, some of the deeper rounds of the draft. Jack, great stuff as always. We'll do it again next week. Hey, sounds good. Thanks, man. Absolutely. That's Jack Klein joining us here on Locked on Pokes. Follow me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes and search for our partners, Boone Pick and State. That is all for this week. Everyone have a great weekend and thanks for listening to Locked on Pokes.